It's Wednesday, October 30th, 2019, and welcome to episode 229 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. I'm Danielle Beeman. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And with us in the studio today is Danielle. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Danielle's back for more, I guess. We're going to make a podcaster out of you yet. So we're going to talk a little bit today. Uh, Danielle's got a great technology uh, pick of the week, so make sure you stick around uh, around for that. And then we talked a little bit about... We talked a little bit about Studio B, which is really awesome, so stay tuned. And Studio B is our new updated and upgraded video production facility. And we're really upping our game with video production as we have a lot of live streaming and able to do a lot of green screen effects and uh, just kind of really upped our game as far as the quality of video that uh, we're able to produce. We're using some uh, new pan, tilt, and zoom cameras, and we'll talk a little bit about those, those PTZ cameras, and uh, how that's just going to improve the overall quality of our instructional videos. So go ahead, sit back, relax, and here we go. today with one of my GAs, Daniel Beeman. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. I appreciate it. And this is your, at least your second time, maybe third time on Tech Talk for Teachers. About my third time Wow, now. three times now. All right. Yeah. All right. So you're going to be a veteran podcaster here. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I think after this one, we're going to take kind of take the next steps, and I'm going to show you're interested in editing the podcast. Absolutely. So I will show you some of the tricks of the trade and show you what kind of goes on behind the scenes where we'll add the the, uh, the music. And for those of you listening, we kind of have a script out here for Tech Talk for Teachers where we generally do like our first segment, and then we'll do a technology pick of the week, and then we'll go back and kind of recap what we've done. And each one of those kind of stand alone as we're recording here in the studio. But then I go back afterwards and enter the music and kind of chop it up and kind of make it into more of like a radio type show where we add the music. Right. So I'll be showing you how to do that. Okay. And once you have that skill, then you'll be able to go out and uh, be a podcaster. One day. And actually, both Brittany and Eric have have been on the last couple of months, and they both are interested in doing that. So we might have a a new podcasting crew going on here. I mean, it's a pretty fun deal, so I totally understand. So today, to start out, we have some exciting news, and I think I've mentioned it in past episodes, but we're really starting to gear up our Studio B, which is a video production studio that we have here in the ITC. And Danielle's kind of been helping me out with kind of positioning some of the new cameras and can you kind of just give a little bit of an overview what Studio B is and some of the improvements that you're seeing from from the past? Well Studio B from when I first walked in started with all these computers and all these tables and so many different places and it was very crowded and so over the course of time over these past few weeks we've been really working to open up that space and create it where people can come in and they can shoot their videos as they please and not feel so much clutter and it'll just be a productive space I think. Mm -hmm. And kind of a little bit more permanent where it's just kind of meant as you say for faculty or students to come in just stand in front of the camera and we do have the green screen still So typically we will do a chroma key, which, you know, like the weatherman effect where we can put a different background. But uh, what I'm really excited about is we've really upped the game as far as the quality of the camera. And we have a new heavy duty tripod with a pan tilt zoom 
They're called PTZ cameras, and it has remote control. So since many times I'm up there recording by myself, don't really have a camera person or anything, so I can use this remote control to kind of you know adjust the camera whenever I need to without having to stop the production and go out and do that. And I think we've shown a couple. In fact, I would like for you to help me here coming up soon. We talked a little bit about doing kind of an overview of what the Instructional Technology Center does down here as right. far as like bulletin boards. So I thought what we might do is put together like a little power PowerPoint presentation of some of the many, many different bulletin board projects that we've done over the years, kind of highlighting, you know, some of the best projects that we've produced out here. Uh, that's what we're known for here in the ITC as far as the hands-on piece, the teacher-created material side, and we can have those going behind us as like you and I kind of talk a little bit about each one of them. I also have the other nice thing about this uh, this upgrade to this studio is I have a remote keyboard that I can kind of like advance slides. So as you and I are talking, you know, with the green screen behind us, every time I go to a new slide, it would show a new bulletin board and we can kind of go over that. And I've got some other ideas as far as some of the high tech things that we're doing. The other big, and I think you helped me with this too, we, did, we were using the wireless microphones. Right. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yes, the ability to be able to move around like that in a space without feeling so limited is very rewarding. Yeah. It's taken a little bit of time for us. I mean, all of these things do, but we've kind of gone through here and tested it out. And the idea behind it is for anybody to walk in and, uh, you know, as, as far as actual recording, you just push one button, you know, say record, and then the presenter will go ahead and present and hit stop. And within a matter of minutes, we have that recorded video. And just like we edit our podcast, we can go out and trim off the beginning and trim off the end and then add our title slides. And then the next step is to post it to YouTube or Microsoft Stream where we're posting a lot of things there. And I think I've also worked with you a little bit with Microsoft Stream and the transcripts, haven't I? Yes, yes, I've edited quite a few transcripts. <laughs> yes, yes. So Danielle's very well versed with that. And what I really like about that is it's so easy to edit. Oh, absolutely. It's it's honestly a breeze, so like a 15-minute video may take 20 or so minutes to edit because it, I would say it probably has over 80% accuracy, which is really nice when it comes to transcribing and just fixing the little nuances, and so it's pretty much a breeze. And then just the, just the ability to pause and then that particular line, in what I call inline editing, versus sometimes with YouTube, you have to download the transcript and it's like a VTT file and then you have to re-upload it after you edit it. So that's it's a, a little, lot more work. A little more technical and a lot more work. So that's one reason that I like it. And the other huge advantage, and I don't, I have not seen YouTube have this, but surely they're gonna be coming out with it soon, is the transcript is deep, deep searchable. So if you have a term out there in a particular video, like in your field in counseling or something, you had a particular term you were looking for, I don't know, put you on the spot here. Culturally responsive practices. Okay, if I was a professor and I'm doing a presentation on culturally responsive practice, I'm up there talking, saying that word, and then when at you as a student, if you want to go back and watch that recorded video, you type in culturally responsive practice. And as long as everything's spelled correctly, because that's a long phrase, it will find it. And it will it will take you exactly at five minutes and 12 seconds. That's where the instructor started talking about culturally responsive practice. And that's really helpful because sometimes you know, the first five minutes may be an intro, and sometimes we need to get to the meat so then we can work on our assignments and right. things like that. Right, or, or studying or going back for doing a cumulative review. A lot of times we're having trouble with a particular area. You know, we know that's a weakness as a student, so we can go back through the various lectures and things, type in that particular term, and only watch, you know, that relevant 
portion. I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge time saver because I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll watch a YouTube video. And it's like, I know I saw this somewhere, but where that somewhere is, I can never find it when I need it. Especially if it's a long video. Yes. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Which is another reason we in structural technology, we try keeping things, video in particular, under 10 minutes. That's kind of where students really start drifting off and lose the attention span. So that's a trade-off between the complexity of the subject and how in-depth and things that you need to go. But it it usually does work pretty well with those 10-minute chunks because if you're thinking like that as a professor whenever you're delivering the content, you really hone in on that particular aspect. And I think you do a little bit better job and you're not kind of drifting away on, you know, some tangent topic. Yeah, especially with that confined time. Yeah. So be looking out in the next, I would say, probably around Thanksgiving time, we'll have a a few more things to post out there with Studio B, trying to get some uh, additional faculty uh, interested and coming in. We have a few faculty that that are already using Studio B, but if you're here on EIU's campus and would like to, uh, you know, at least check it out or come over and record your own, we're very, very, very open to uh, having you over here and, you know, experiencing all the many, many different capabilities. And I'm trying to think from my point as a teacher, I'm pretty much able to do just about everything. I would say 90% of the things that I can do in a face-to-face classroom, I can do easily on video. It's just sometimes that personal contact or things, you know, with some, some particularly like group work or something, or particularly in science, like lab work, you need a dedicated space. But we're, we're adding to the, the pedagogy. We're, we're doing some things with our note streaming and, and having the OneNote notebooks and having that content backed up with the video. Uh, and embedded uh, makes it a little bit more thorough learning experience. So uh, as I said, keep an eye out for uh, new content coming to Studio B. And if you're here at EIU, uh, please look me up here at the ITC and we can arrange arrange for a little video taping session. So we'll be seeing you soon, right? (laughs) We'll be seeing you soon. (laughs) Okay, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there and we'll go on to our technology picks of the week. pick of the week this week is kind of one that I've mentioned before and it is Flipgrid but in particular this week I would like to highlight some of the the ways that I'm seeing teachers out in the field use Flipgrid and in particular I believe back in August Flipgrid came out with a with a new app called Flipgrid AR for augmented reality and I'm really starting to see a lot of a lot of teachers, particularly those that I follow out there on Twitter, really start using uh, Flipgrid as a supplement, as kind of using technology as a lever or as a force multiplier, particularly for learning stations. So uh, again, particularly like elementary and middle level uh, schools, you know, we, we try to differentiate our instruction. We have like different teams and different group work, and they're called learning stations. And as a student would go from one learning station to another, the teacher needs to be able to provide instructions for them. And some of the teachers are using Flipgrid. Flipgrid's a real simple uh, app. You load on your phone and you just literally press the record button and it will tape a little uh, you know, video session of, what, of you speaking and giving whatever directions. And then the other nice thing about this new addition with Flipgrid AR is it uses QR codes. And Danielle, I think we did a little experiment here right before the show about using the QR code. Yeah, it was very quick to download. And then the moment that I got started, I just took a picture of that grid. And then it came up immediately on a nice and short video 
telling me a little bit about whatever the subject matter was. And I found it to be so interesting. You just kind of had to hold your phone in a certain spot so you can view the video. So I just kind of feel like I need to learn that a little bit more and see what it's like. But overall, I really like that I was able to receive that information so easily. And what I like about it is the QR code aspect of it because QR codes have been around for a long time, although you said you really never have used them in the past no they haven't been incorporated that often for me but i mean you recognize whenever you see them like i see them sometimes in magazines right i do see them here and there or sometimes like people will say oh you can do it on snapchat and stuff like that mm -hmm. but i just never have i never had a need to so so we might try a little experiment here in the itc and we've got one of our bulletin boards back here that i was thinking about possibly making like a little learning station bulletin board where we could say, you know, how do I make a, you know, an Ellison die press? Because that's one of the common questions we get with new people coming in. Constantly. <laughs> and they all have a smartphone, so. Yes, they do. <laughs> so if we did that and just have like a little segment, not only that, because that's just a basic operation type of thing, but maybe we could level up and do some more advanced features and, you know, teach somebody how to fold and make, you know, like a little paper doll cut out or a little student frame. There's just all kinds of tricks that uh, unless you're really into making bulletin boards, Boards, uh, you can go out there and find them. And we've got a lot of YouTube videos out there as well on how to do that. I just think it's interesting meeting that need of when do you need a teacher? You need a teacher at that exact moment when you're ready to do something. And as I said, this is kind of a force multiplier out there where you can put a teacher, you know, a little video segment out there instantly for whatever learning station it is that you want to do. So if you've not looked at Flipgrid, I would encourage you uh, to do that. And if you are a veteran of Flipgrid, uh, you know, please share some of the different uh, ways that you're learning Flipgrid out there. There's a very vibrant uh, community, again, particularly on uh, on Twitter and there's Facebook groups and, uh, you know, YouTube as well. So that's my tech pick, Flipgrid AR. Okay, what do you have this time for us, Danielle? Well, my tech pick of the week is GoodNotes. Unfortunately, it does have some cons, and I'll throw them out there now. It is for Apple devices primarily, iPhones and iPads. I'm using an iPad to use this app, so I'll go from there. An iPad with an Apple Pencil. An iPad with an Apple Pencil, yes, absolutely. I honestly find this to be almost an essential feature to the iPad. Like, I use it every day. I use it for taking notes. So with GoodNotes, like, I really like the interface. I really like that it's shown in a grid format, all of your files, and you can put them into folders. So that's nice. It's similar to what we see on a computer. Additionally, you can customize little notebook covers. So if you like cutesy things, like I like cutesy things, then this would be a really good app for you. Also, again, you can use the Apple Pencil with ease and it's super nice. You can change like the pen style and coloring, highlighting, all of that stuff is really good on this app and especially with the Apple Pencil. Another thing that I really like about this app is that you can scan photos in, you can add a photo to your already created page, or you can have a photo as a slide itself. I oftentimes will go on D2L and download something as a PDF and upload it right up to GoodNotes and then I'm taking notes right in class within seconds. Sometimes I'll scan the documents that they pass out in class right onto my iPad and I tell them, hey, we can recycle this paper. So that's really and, nice. And whenever you say scan, you mean take a picture basically of it? Is that the way you're doing it or are you 
using a scanner? Well, there's options to use a scanner where it'll scan it and then it also gives you a little bit extra space for you to write. So I do prefer that. Or you could take a photo and make that its own full page. So you kind of have some versatility there. So I really like that about the app. I just think it's great and it's just something to explore. And as far as like you're taking this into every class and taking notes this way? Oh, absolutely. I've totally shifted my note-taking process. And your note-taking process is all handwriting. Mostly it's what I'm looking at on your screen right now is the handwritten notes. Yes, they are all, thank you, like they are all handwritten notes. For me personally, that's how I best learn. I didn't want to take that away from my process because if I start typing, I'll just transcribe. And when I transcribe, I'm not in taking any information. But when I'm writing it, I actually internalize it as if I was writing it on paper. And is, so, is there any conflict uh, between that way, digital? you know, handwriting or, and or paper handwriting? Do you, is there any mental block or anything at all? There's no mental block. I will say I am so heavy handed. So I try to now write a little bit lighter because I'm writing on a screen, which it can't take too much force. So I will say that's probably the only mental impact I'll notice sometimes I'm doing that and I have to correct myself, but it's not a very difficult transition. I also put a paper-like cover over the top, which gives it a little bit more friction like a pencil so I really like that aspect too it's just so many things that kind of come together is that part of your your uh, cover right there I put a cover over the top and so it has a little bit more friction it has a matte overlay and so then it feels a little bit more like I'm writing on paper than writing on a screen right exactly and then I also noticed you don't have a keyboard on that one no I don't I originally bought a keyboard I returned it because I just really like taking notes by hand. That's not something I want to take away from myself. It is how I best learn in classes that are lecture style. And so that's, again, the reason why I don't have the keyboard. I also have a laptop, so I don't feel like I need the keyboard. I take this around way more often and I use good notes. I mean, 24 seven internship class, like, someone tells me some key information, I just write it down. And then also this app, what I like about it is that it's also for the iPhone. And so I'll even go on my iPhone and look at the notes. I could write in there, but my screen is smaller, yeah. so I don't. Yeah, but it's factor. really nice to look at my planner that's in good notes and things like that and have it, you know, at my disposal. Yeah. And at, as you know, I moved to digital notes years ago. <laughs> and one of the criticisms I constantly see in the research as far as, you know, using handwritten notes versus, as you said, directly transcribing your keyboards, people to have a tendency to try writing, you know, all the words that somebody say is the lack of focus, I guess, for an electronic device, because I'm constantly, I'm constantly seeing research about some professors don't want you to use laptops at all because students are on Facebook, you know, and doing all these different things, texting and all the other things. You're on your iPad app. Are you tempted at all to multitask and do different things while you have that device taking notes? I'll be honest, yes. Sometimes I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect. So on the other hand, since I am pretty much a diligent student, I do pretty much pay attention and also like the fact that our classes were sitting in a circle or a semicircle, so that of course puts more accountability on me to focus on this. And when a professor sees that I'm taking notes and then that they see a paper image on the iPad, they're looking at me like, okay, well, she's still taking notes. She's not, you mm-hmm. know, being distracted by the iPad use. So that's kind of, I think that's kind of a pro of it too. And then the other huge advantage for me is, as you said, you can incorporate a PDF or a PowerPoint and versus the old-fashioned way of taking those with pen, uh, pen and pencil, 
uh, in a piece of paper, then some students would be struggling. They have that on their desk and they have their laptop or their iPad off to the side. Cognitive load wise, that's just a lot of ways to redirect your attention. So I definitely, I think that's a great way to do it because you have your focus there, you know, on the, on the iPad, on the screen, then you can incorporate those digital things where you're not spending your time recopying something, you know, right. maybe some elaborate diagram or something and worried about what you're going to miss because these notes that professors give in class on a chalkboard or on a whiteboard, those are fleeting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have like 10 minutes and they'll erase it and, right. go, on, and, and go on to the next topic. Absolutely. So I think that's that's a great way to kind of find that compromise uh, between the both. And as you said, I mean, that's it's kind of the responsibility of the student to kind of stay on task uh, out there. But it's also the responsibility of that instructor to kind of change things up to keep, you know, keep your attention uh, on, on the content at hand. So. Absolutely. And as far as the cognitive overload part that you had noted, I really like that because at one point I had my iPad out, but then my professor gave out notes and I'm like, okay, I don't know how she's going to feel about me, you know, taking these pictures in class, but I just kind of went for, I took the pictures and I started to take the notes. I could tell she kind of looked at me at first and then after that she was like, okay, well, she's taking the notes. And so she was able to recognize my diligence and it was done within minutes. It wasn't distracting to other students or anything like that. So it ended up working out, but yeah, the cognitive overload definitely can be intense if one does not know how to integrate all those pieces together. And that's, again, what I like about putting it onto the iPad or even if someone has a tablet who has these features, then it's really, really feasible to do these kinds of things. Okay. All right. Great tech pick of the week. So that was Good Notes available in the Apple Store? Yes. Okay. So Good Notes, be sure to check it out. And if you have an iPad, and uh, there's only certain iPads that uh, the Apple Pencil work, but I would highly recommend... <laughs> Well, actually, no, there's been quite a few updates. So the basic iPad 2018. The new ones, but from that point backwards. That point backwards, no. But from the basic iPad 2018 and up, takes either Apple Pencil Generation 1 or Apple Pencil Generation 2. So I really like that because I have the most basic one. I didn't need anything special. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. No problem. That wraps it up for episode 229 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU ITC Instructional Technology Center website at eiu.edu slash ITC. Until next time, this is Tom Grissom. This is Danielle Beeman. Keep, Keep on, on learning. learning.